There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Gangster Pete, producer extraordinaire here. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And as is the case every Sunday night, Monday morning, we release a new interview, as we have since we started the show on October 1st, 2017, in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And today's guest, as we focus quite a bit on the MLS in St. Louis, is older woman Christine Ingracia. She is the alderwoman of the Sixth Ward. And I asked her, I said, would you rather be called alderman, alderwoman? And as you will hear in the course of the conversation, she says, Christine's fine. God bless. Christine it is. But I just need to uh, to set the, uh, set the standard right out of the gate. So a lot of MLS conversation because Christine was one of the people who, when it was first getting going, uh, some people perceived as uh, being against it. Uh, a term that she used, people perceive her uh, as an obstructionist. And so we get that perspective from Christine herself. And uh, for the record, she did vote for it in the most recent vote at the time of this taping, which is December 7th, 2018. Um, But there are still more to go with regard to this project. So uh, not only do we talk about that with her, but also the current state of the Board of Aldermen, of course, many of the topics that we visit and just getting her perspective, which is the state of St. Louis uh, and also our region. So all of that coming up here today on the Tim McKernan Show. I hope you enjoy these interviews. I love doing them. And, uh, you know, it's certainly it's St. Louis-centric, but it can be St. Louis media-centric, St. Louis sports-centric, St. Louis politics and policy-centric. And if you haven't, uh, we have them all for you, and they're all up on InsideSTL.com. I guess there's like a cutoff for iTunes, as I understand it, because some people are like, oh, I haven't listened to that. I didn't know you had Mike Kelly on. I'm like, yeah, I did this time last year. So maybe there's a cutoff. But I do know this. They're all up on InsideSTL.com, and you can listen whenever you want. Is that true, Gangster Pete? Is there a cutoff? Somebody was saying that there was, and I'm like, I wonder why that is, because we didn't do it. But I don't know if there's just like a time cutoff or a space cutoff. Either Yeah, somebody was saying that, but um, either way, the point is uh, that we're uh, updating new interviews every Sunday night, Monday morning, and then questions from the audience every Wednesday and our Pick 6 podcast with uh, what has wound up being, even though I'm not the one making the picks, some uh, incredible uh, run here on success with, uh, I think the number is 73.8 against the spread over the last seven weeks, which is just ridiculous. I would have been thrilled with 51%, much less 73.8%. So listen to that if you like to degen out and uh, wager. Uh, so we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. As I made reference to, Ryan Kelly is the home loan expert. And he not only is somebody that I uh, happily recommend to the audience and don't think twice about, but I also just know he's a really good guy and I know he's going to save you money. And I know he like prides himself on that reputation. And uh, I I think at this point, people just kind of know, but if you haven't done business with them, you'll be very pleased when the process is finished, whether it be a refi or whether it be buying a home, there's only one name to know. The name is Ryan Kelly. The website is the home loan expert.com. 
Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsors here on The Tim McKernan Show. Our guest this week, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, is Christine Ingracia. We talk MLS. We talk the perception of her and certain people at the Board of Aldermen. And we talk the state of St. Louis, as I like to do anytime we have somebody involved in the politics of the region. Ladies and gentlemen, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Here is the sixth ward alderwoman, Christine Ingracia. Well, Christine, thanks so much for uh, for taking time out of your day to, to join us here. As you can imagine, a lot of the focal point of our discussions lately have been on the MLS stadium. And I know you uh, have been active in those discussions and certainly been parts of the stories that have been focusing on you as, as it would be built in your ward. So overall, you did vote for the resolution uh, at the Board of Aldermen. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when this will air, it'll be a couple of weeks ago. Um, what is your perspective on the project at this time and why did you go ahead and decide to vote yes? Well, I am definitely still concerned about the process by which we undertook the negotiations and where we ended up. I do believe that the real work will come once we are awarded a team and we have to put all of the legal agreements in form and have them pass through the board and the LCRA commission. Uh, but the resolution itself, I, I felt like overall, this is a much better deal than we typically see with respect to stadiums. And I do believe a united front of city leaders is a better case for MLS to want to bring a team here, and I didn't want to endanger that. Uh, that being said, definitely um, still have some concerns and am troubled by the process that the ownership group undertook at the board. So let's dig into that. Uh, first off, concerns, and then second, the, the process. So uh, let's let's go chronologically. So the process, how it all came to pass, and you say you had concerns with the process. What what concerns with that process were there, Christine? So first of all, I want to thank the ownership group because they did reach out to me fairly early in their negotiations with the mayor's office and having conversation. And I, I thought we had a pretty good working relationship over the first month or so that we were working together. The, the main reason that I was very excited at the beginning of our conversations was because it was told to me that the ownership group was going to own the stadium. And that prevents a lot of things from happening to the city at a financial level. That who, who told you that? Just, protect. I'm sorry to interrupt, but who, who, who told you that? The attorney for the ownership okay. group uh, told me that. Okay. And in fact, the, there were conversations that that may change, but it was never communicated to me that there had been a decision made. In fact, the last meeting that we had where I had requested a bunch of stakeholders come together to talk about the deal instead of all of these one-off conversations where a couple of people were meeting at a time that it was smart for the mayor's office and the St. Louis Development Corporation, a representative from the ownership group and the budget director, our financial analyst at the board all sit down together to kind of hash things out. And a representative from Worldwide Technologies indicated at that meeting on October 29th that the ownership group did not mind owning the stadium. And so that was where I was coming from when we started to review drafts of the resolution that I thought I would be introducing at the board. I, w I was coming from the, from the position that the ownership group would own the stadium. And I think that was not 
the position that they were coming from, but there was no communication. So it on was, that, do you think that was a, a miscommunication? Do you think that was, because it's obviously a material element to this deal. Do you think that was a miscommunication or do you think it was a misrepresentation? I don't know. And I think that's one of the things that I found the most troubling about the process. Yeah, um, I think that maybe it was agreed upon that the ownership group would not own the stadium amongst some of the stakeholders that were having conversations. Okay. I think the mayor's office in the St. Louis Development Corporation, it was definitely never communicated to me. And I did request multiple times to meet with the ownership group, and I was never allowed to do that. I was only ever communicating with one person, their attorney. And that's not very typical. Typically, if you have a deal you're working on in your ward, you know the owners, you meet with them, you, you know, have some level of collaboration and, and, you know, mutual ability to throw things back and forth with respect to a deal. And mm-hmm. so that I found that to be problematic as well. And with respect to the the ownership of the building, and this is something that that uh, seems to me anyway, Christine, to be one of the main elements that that you hear being debated, whether it be uh, at the board of aldermen or discussed certainly on our show. I know um, why is that of importance to you, and why would you like to see them own it, and why, in your opinion, does the ownership group not want to own it? That's a great question. I, I think for me, subsequent to us passing the upgrades to the Scott Trade Center, now the Enterprise Center, we received our fourth credit down rating in less than three years from Moody's Investors Service. And one of the reasons that they listed was our weekend reserve position. And so we are spending money on non-essentials and our reserves that we are supposed to have, I believe a a minimum of 5% um, and we're not there means that it's possibly higher borrowing costs for the city. If we want to do big projects or have bonds and it may want, it may deter people who typically buy bonds like that from not doing so. And I think after knowing what happened with the Dome and NFL and what happened with Scott Trade, that we just need to be very careful about what we are putting ourselves on the line for. And so I don't think anything in this current soccer deal would be problematic until we figure out, you know, until we get a little bit further along 10, 15, 20 years from now, that's when we run into trouble. And right now we're on the hook for hundreds of millions of dollars for the Dome and for Scott Trade and we don't have the tax revenue that we did historically. And so that becomes very problematic, especially when we're not able to deliver some very essential city services at the quality uh, and level that we would like to already. As we mentioned earlier, you voted yay. It passed 26 to two. Again, this is the first step. This doesn't mean everything is done. The lease is certainly a huge part of this whole thing. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken from your number of appearances on our radio show, uh, and uh, Megan Green, who is running for president of the Board of Aldermen, she was a guest on my uh, podcast here as well. And, and, and we talked, I think it was earlier this year, and she she came in in studio and uh, and it was a good, good conversation. And if I'm not mistaken, Christine, uh, you guys have a good report. Is that fair to say? I don't want to mischaracterize it if it's off. We absolutely do have a good okay. report. Yeah, we, we 
don't always agree on everything, but I consider her a friend and we have a, you know, definitely a professional and respectful relationship. And, and the reason why I ask that is to provide context is that if I was not mistaken, you guys had a good report. You obviously voted differently. Uh, Megan wrote out her explanation for her vote on her Facebook page. Um, and I would imagine you, you guys have certainly discussed this. I would imagine you've discussed it quite a bit. If you could uh, give her perspective and, uh, you know, g- differentiate it as to why you voted yay, especially as the person in the sixth ward who's uh, going to be the ward that, that would have the building inside of it, and then and then Megan's perspective. Sure. Well, I think Megan and I agree on, on quite a bit of why we voted the way that we did. I she and I worked closely together on the NFL deal and worked with Andrew Zimbalist out of Stanford and Roger Knoll, who are stadium financing experts. And I, I referred to them during this deal as well. And so, you know, the ownership obviously is a key piece of it. Um, I think nationally we've relied too heavily on local government ownership of these types of stadiums. Um, the fact that there are, you know, Kansas City Stadium is privately owned. Minneapolis's stadium is privately owned. I mean, there there are, I believe that Megan's position was, and I agree, we had the leverage for the resolution. Mm-hmm. The city was in a, in a good bargaining position. And everything that's in the resolution is in writing. And so, therefore, very likely to happen once we move forward with a deal if we're awarded a team. And anything that has been promise verbally or just discussed or we don't have answers for, it's going to be very difficult to be able to get that as part of an actual deal when we have documents that we have to sign on the dotted line for. And so I, I understand her position. She definitely, I, I like to tease her. We're, we're both progressive, but she's so progressive. I feel like Rush Limbaugh next to her sometimes. So um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we definitely have the same concerns and, and my concerns um, I'm hoping, and I think a lot of my colleagues, I worked closely with Sarah Martin in the 11th Ward, Heather Navarro in the 28th, and Annie Rice in the 8th Ward. We all had the same concerns, as do the budget director, the comptroller, the financial analyst at the Board of Aldermen. And so I'm hoping that because there's enough people sort of pushing that conversation forward, that again, once we get to the, the real deal, we'll be able to, to move some of the pieces forward. It wasn't just ownership. There were there were other items that I think um, are important to discuss as well that I had included in my version of the resolution that were not included in the current sponsor's version. So with, with regard to the real deal, when it comes to that, as you just made reference to, uh, for those observing this either casually or from the sidelines, or as you know, there are some people who um, get into kind of, uh, you know, we want a team and, you know, damn the torpedoes, whatever it takes, we will do it, which is unfortunately in some capacity what played a role in the lease that the Rams had uh, and the escape clause that they were given back in the uh, early mid-90s. And so you don't want to, to to put yourself back in that position by, by just giving away whatever if that's not necessary. So I understand the perspective. But from your, from your being actually in the room and, and having to make sure that you represent your ward and do what you think is in the best interest of St. Louis, when it comes to the actual real deal, what are things for you, Christine, that are of the utmost importance? I think that aside from the ownership piece, if, if the city of St. Louis through the LCRA is going to own the stadium, we need to have 
much more detailed information and clarification on this 2.5% set aside of the amusement tax that's been touted as the fund that's going to alleviate the city from a huge financial burden in the future. Right now, there's no writing, no in-writing confirmation of how that fund will be used. And I, I just want to make clear for everybody that although I do appreciate the funding set aside, it's not like the team is setting aside a pool of money via a levy on ticket taxes or something else. It's them allowing us to keep our own tax money. So um, I just want to be, make sure people understand that. And the documents that were provided to us indicate that it will be used for demolition or for major renovations, but major renovations are not defined. And they do have, um, again, in the documents provided to us, but not in the resolution, plans to possibly expand um, in 2023, I believe, and then again about 10 years later to go from 20,000 seats to 26,000. And so I don't know if that is considered a major renovation. I don't know if there's a dollar amount threshold for what is a major renovation. And then if it's demolition or something else 30 years down the line, then if that money's already been dipped into, what's left? And so I think that's um, a piece that, that definitely needs to be um, more specific. I also had an interest in having the practice facilities and the administrative offices be located in the city of St. Louis. Um, that would provide possibly um, a huge investment for North St. Louis or deep South St. Louis. And again, in the beginning of the negotiations, the representative from the ownership group seemed very positive, And that was something that we would be able to negotiate and that sort of lost traction. Um, it would also provide the earnings tax and a number of other things that would come to the city that wouldn't you, if the... Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an incredibly rude interviewer. Usually, like I said, and I, I understand, <laughs> just just for the record, so the audience knows, Christine was going to come in today, and she has a child who is sick, and she's still kind enough to join me over the phone. So I want to give uh, the background on that. But usually when we're sitting in the studio, you can see facial reactions, and I don't feel as rude interrupting as I do every time I've interrupted you, <laughs> re interrupted you so far on this. But when you said it started to lose traction, does that mean all of a sudden you're not hearing about it, or it looks like that's not going to happen with with regard to the business office and practice facilities being located inside the actual city limits? It just looked like it wasn't going to happen. A lot of what I was having conversations with the representative from the ownership group about never made it into any of the versions of their resolution. And so I could tell pretty quickly that things were sort of uh, not headed in the direction in which I thought they were. And that was one of the pieces. Okay. Got it. All right. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Christine Ingracia. She is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna is someone that I absolutely am fired up to recommend to the audience. And there's, there's one main reason for it, because when I start talking about Mark Hanna, it hits home for me. And now that I am uh, in my 40s and now that I am certainly monitoring my finances in a much different way than I was in my 20s and even for a good part of my 30s, it makes me cringe in part when I, I talk about Mark Hanna because I think, wow, I really left a lot of money on the table or just blew through a lot of money irresponsibly. Um, but the reason why I passionately talk about him is because I don't want to see other people make the same mistake that I did. 
And that is why I recommend you give him a call at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. I had one person reach out to me and say they heard me do the spot. They knew that it made sense for him to call Mark, but he actually kind of viewed it like a doctor's appointment, that he knew that his diagnosis would not be good, and so he was delaying it. And I understand that. Uh, It's not pleasant for me uh, to look back on, you know, my mistakes and go, I mean, it's always going to be there no matter what, you know, it's, it's always going to be, oh my God, I can't believe that I just didn't save or I didn't invest or whatever the case might be in my twenties when I could have, or pay off my condo, any of that, any of that stuff. But, you know, you live to tell about it and therefore you want to help people not repeat your mistakes. And so Mark is not going to sit there and judge you. Uh, he's going to help you. He's going to organize the stuff for you. Um, I'm telling you, you know, I, once you're working with someone who organizes and then kind of lays out, not in like some, you know, 7,000 word manifesto, but just bullet points and says, here's, here's what we talked about. Here's what you need to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's where we will circle back. And you're going, well, that was kind of easy. And now, even though you have, you probably had some anxiety about it. Now you, now you feel like you got a plan and you've made progress. So I really recommend giving him a call. I feel so strongly about it just because I know I wish I would have known him 20 years ago. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. So, you know, just taking a step back here on on the whole thing, because I kind of like going into policy and the stuff that certainly doesn't get anybody any attention on social media or headlines. Um, but I also recognize that for some people, that's, that's not, that's, like I said, it's either they're, they're all for it, whatever it takes, or they're against it, no matter what the case is. So let's compare and contrast. You have, have been part of this and seen a variety of uh, stadium proposals come through um, over the last few years. Uh, how does this compare and contrast to what you saw with the Rams stadium? How does this compare and contrast with what we saw, what was voted down, the $60 million, and if I'm not mistaken, April of 17, and uh, and then this deal, Christine? Well, the Rams deal, I won't even touch because I found it to be particularly offensive and appalling. It, um... <laughs> I like that. There's the headline. What was? Uh, now i got to ask, what was offensive and appalling about it? That's great. I mean, we were falling all over ourselves for a team that clearly did not want to be here any longer. And, and the the financial deal, I remember passing it along to Andrew Zimbalist that I mentioned a few minutes ago, and it was so bad, you know, he was sort of speechless. So, As in I what St. Louis was willing to do to keep the Rams? Right. From a financial perspective, mm-hmm. it, it was, you know, it, it would have been catastrophic. We, we had already dug ourselves in so deep and it was, you know, it, we were not headed in the right direction. We were going deeper into um, a financial problem. Um, and, and the last soccer deal, I obviously shepherded that legislation through. I received a little bit of criticism because I worked to make the deal better, which in part included me advocating for the committee members to vote against my own bill in committee. And then we were able to get it to a a point where I felt it was a financially neutral position for the city. We wouldn't be losing money, which I believe we would have under the original deal. And then we were able to turn it over to city voters. And I feel like this time 
although obviously we all know the deal is much better, there is definitely a heightened sense of responsibility and due diligence if we're not turning over a financial package for our city voters to decide upon. It's their tax dollars. And so I, I think that in that instance, you know, it, I found it, again, kind of troubling that anybody who was asking questions were kind of vilified or seen as obstructionist to the deal and it wasn't taken as as welcoming. I mean, the people that are criticizing the deal are the ones, you know, who can help make it better. And in fact, one of my colleagues said in committee, you know, anybody who was asking questions about the deal should just sit down and shut up. Hold on a second. What, who is this is one of your friends or one of your, one of your peers? One of my colleagues at the board um, who's on the HUDS committee indicated that people who were questioning the deal should just sit down and shut up. And I, I don't think that's... I'm, I'm obligated to ask who that was. Alderwoman Marlene Davis. Okay. And, and what, why, did, why did she say that? I have, not, I have not asked her. And I'm not trying to... I'm using that as an example sort of of what the overall sentiment was or the, you know, the theme of of the folks asking questions, it, it was, we were seen as obstructionists. We didn't know what we were talking about. We should just, you know, rubber stamp this deal because it's the best thing we're ever going to get. And I don't think that's why people elect us to come to the board. I think people elect us to help, you know, ensure that the financial interests of the city are met and their best interests are met. And so, you know, part of what happens in, in any deal for redevelopment is a negotiation process and rubber stamping complex financial deals without asking questions, um, I think is an example of us not doing our job. So I I want to kind of get into, I don't know, I wouldn't call it getting into the weeds because I feel like I say that and people immediately skip forward. So we're not getting into the weeds to be clear, but I'm I'm going to talk about perception versus reality when it comes to the Board of Aldermen uh, and specific to this one, and, and and I'm really curious, Christine, what your thoughts are, and it'll be an opportunity certainly for you to, to set the record straight or perhaps to agree that I think oftentimes, well, here's one thing, and it relates to my area, uh, which would be media, sports media. I feel like in St. Louis, and I can't speak to many other markets, um, but I feel like for being a top 25 market, most of the people who work in sports media, many of whom I would certainly consider friends and, and like a great deal, similar to you, you can you can like Megan Green quite a bit, but you know disagree on an issue, um, oftentimes are more uh, going to be cheerleaders, so to speak. Uh, as opposed to what you might find like in a Boston, New York, Philadelphia, where they they ingratiate themselves in some capacity to their viewers, to their readers, to their listeners by being critical. Um, that's different than what I think you'll find most times in St. Louis. And, and so, therefore, I think it's healthy to be critical of any deal that impacts the region, whether you're for it or against it, just because you're um, wanting to see it happen doesn't mean that you accept whatever is put in front of you. I, I, and I, to me, that, that that strikes me as rather obvious. But then to label somebody who questions it as being a term you used earlier with reference to the Board of Aldermen, obstructionist, um, I find that to be unhealthy. Uh, at the same time, if one would be an obstructionist, I would similarly find that to be just as unhealthy from from the other side of it. And so you have a number of people, many of whom probably entered the chambers there for the first time uh, and saw the board of aldermen and go, you know, some people are coming and going. Some people aren't paying attention. This looks like some kind of circus that you have a number of people for whom this is a part time job being the gatekeepers for such an important project. This is this is an indication of why St. Louis can't get out of its own way. So with all of that said, do you agree with some of that? Do you disagree with some of that? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think overall you're you're right on the money, and I think it's we can be cheerleaders of the city of St. Louis and 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 love being here, but we also have a lot to work on. We have a lot of challenges, and so I applaud any. I mean, I think all of my colleagues are down there for the right reasons. I believe you know we are all doing our best to advocate the way that we think is best for the city, but again, like you mentioned not having a healthy conversation or a back and forth or some debate about issues, I think puts us in a bad position because we haven't investigated all the possibilities. And again, you know, in this deal, it, it would have could have looked like we specifically addressed how we're going to pay for long-term renovations or demolition to be exact, because we know that's going to happen. It could have looked like having the practice facilities and the administrative offices in the city. We've just adopted some really exciting environmental pieces of legislation at the board that um, adopt the city's sustainability plan. There were initial talks about having the building built to lead standards and be environmentally friendly. There were union protections for our union sisters and brothers and um, WE MBE protections. Those did get added to the resolution. And some other items that I think really could have just even to have them debated and and, and allow allow the conversation in committee to happen or allow the conversation on the floor to happen would have been really good for the public to see. And that was sort of what I was trying to move forward. And I am very pleased that a number of my colleagues, again, had the same concerns. I think it would be wonderful to have an opportunity to sit down with the ownership group, everyone's very excited about the first predominantly owned women's MLS team. All of the people who are asking questions are also women leaders at the Board of Aldermen, and I think there's an exciting potential there for the conversation. So you would like to have a conversation. Have you had a chance to have a conversation with Carolyn Kendall Betts? I have not. Again, I, I did indicate that I would like to sit down with representatives from the actual ownership group, and, and that never happened. Her sister, Carolyn's sister, has a project in the sixth ward in Fox Park that I'm very excited about. So I tried that avenue to reach out to her because we already had a bit of a working relationship established. And I was just told I had to work directly with with the attorney for the group. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, along the lines of just in, in, if, if, and I don't even know if it's possible to answer this because it might not be fair. It's kind of like if somebody's trying a case and they say yes or no, yes or no. And I realize most of the time it's not as simple as yes or no. But if I can put it to you that way, yes or no, would you like to see St. Louis build an ML stadium, a privately funded stadium by the, the Taylor family and, and Jim Cavanaugh? I absolutely would. Okay. I'm a, a soccer fan. I think that St. Louis is a soccer town. All of my kids have played soccer at some point, and, you know, they the Taylor family obviously has an admirable track record of being philanthropic in the city, and I'm grateful that they are bringing their resources along with the Kavanaugh family to make this happen for St. Louis. Again, though, we don't need to just say thank you and sh- close the, you know, close the door on what we could do to make the deal better for the city. I hope this question doesn't come off the wrong way. It doesn't come. I mean, I think we've been talking now for 20 minutes, so I think you know that I'm not looking to do gotcha stuff. I'm actually legitimately curious, and you might be interested in setting the record straight. When you were bringing up some questions regarding it, like within 24 hours, a story came out about you having some disputed bill with Enterprise 
and like the two were yeah. attempted to connect the dots to why you were being critical. I thought that that struck me as like something I'd see on Ray Donovan or something. Um, what what was really going on there? It seemed a little Machiavellian. So I was told that the I don't know if it was the attorney representative or the ownership group. I don't know exactly who it was, but I was told by a number of of people that I trust that it was going to be used against me that I had a disputed charge with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And it's on my Missouri ethics report. I had rented a car and there was some damage to the car that I didn't do that I thought should have been covered under a policy, I, an extra insurance policy I had. I honestly completely forgot that it was on my ethics report. Um, it's been resolved. It'll be gone when my reports get updated in January. But it was, yeah, designed to be used against me as a way to say that because the, I guess, deal wasn't going the way that they wanted it to, that they were no longer allowing me to have the deal because I had some, you know, anger or, you know, I was going to derail the deal out of spite, which is absolutely absurd. And I honestly didn't even think about it if I would have had some terrible opinion about the Taylor family based on a car rental experience. I could have messed with the deal in Fox Park, but I've been very supportive of the the deal in Fox Park that's owned by one of the Taylor women. And I found it to be very troubling. People wanted to say it was a conflict of interest. It's absolutely not a conflict of interest. There was no way I was going to benefit financially from the MLS deal. That's how conflict of interest rules work. You're allowed to dispute a credit card charge. It just so happened that the one I disputed was was with Enterprise. So how, how did that get out? I actually brought it to the media because I didn't want it hanging over my head. Okay. It kept being mentioned that it was going to be something that was made to make make me look bad on the floor if I introduced my own version of the resolution alongside the one that was introduced and eventually passed. And I just wanted to be able to talk about it myself without it being something that was, you know, an intimidation or a threat to me. Final question on the MLS, and then I want to get to an overall culture of the the Board of Aldermen and then the the trajectory for the city of St. Louis. Um, When it's all said and done, I realize you say you want to see it happen, but do you think that this is going to happen. I'm operating from the premise that I think, as a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say this, uh, Christine, I think it's as close to being a done deal as it can possibly be. I don't think the Taylors and Jim Cavanaugh get involved if they don't uh, feel like this is going to get done in St. Louis and if they don't feel like the MLS is going to bring a team here. That is my opinion. It's not like anybody has told me that, but that's that's what I'm operating from as far as my premise. What is your premise on whether or not this actually happens? Not whether or not you want to see it. You've already made it clear you'd like to see it, but not at all costs. What do you think will wind up happening? Well, one of the reasons why I did vote for the resolution is because, again, I I think that we do have a really good chance of being awarded a team, and I didn't want MLS to view problems at the board or, you know, um, unresolved issues as um, something that they could turn and say, St. Louis is not going to get a team because of this. So that's why I did vote for the resolution. I think we have a very good chance, again, I think, having local ownership, having the financial resources that the ownership group has, 
individually and the deal itself overall obviously are are very positive for the city and so yeah i think we we do probably have a very good chance i met with don garber when he was in town during the last deal he seems very excited about st louis and and i think we've got a good shot at at getting a, a third professional team here which would be very exciting okay so that is now officially uh, on the record from the uh, the all by the way th- this is this is just me being a complete clown the alderman alder woman thing when i had uh, mm-hmm. megan in she go i said would you like me to call you alderman green alder woman she goes she said alder woman because we've battled for so long to be considered equals i would like you to call me i said fair enough whatever you want me to call you i'm fine by me you can say whatever you want me to call how do you feel on that? Because I have you on, I'm saying Christine, but should I be saying older woman? Should I say older men? What do you want? You should always just call me Christine. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That really simplifies the whole thing. <laughs> I guess I have a slight preference for older woman and, and definitely get older woman Green's point on that. But I, it doesn't raise the hairs on the back of my neck to be called older men or older woman. In fact, I've been called Alder clown and alder moron and alder <laughs> expletive. So I will take anything yeah, that's, that's not derogatory. Yeah, that's better in the pecking order. Okay, that is that's now been officially established. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying our conversation with alder woman Christine Ingracia here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Uh, over the last, I feel like over the last like three months, more so than you know, I look at the traffic. In case anybody cares about this stuff, I don't know why you would, but. Uh, that that our uh, downloads have increased 25% uh, from this time last year, uh, which is exactly what you If it were 25% the other way, we probably wouldn't be sitting here. And so it's great. It, go, it goes around mainly word of mouth, and people are picking up on what we do, which is an interview on Sunday slash Monday night. That's when you'll hear the new interviews and questions from the audience on Wednesdays and pick six for your uh, football wagering on, on Thursdays. And uh, And I love doing it. But it's all about the sponsors because it is a business. And the sponsors, of course, are the ones who pay the bills. And we do have overhead. Uh, and James Carlton is one of the people who got on board from the very, very start. And at first, I'm just like, oh, great. Nice to have you on board as an advertiser, James. But then it became, um, I had a, I had a situation with Inside STL that I needed, needed to get taken care of really quickly with one of the, the cars that was under the Inside STL name. And uh, my old insurance agent was not around, and so James was able to take care of it. And I go, God, that was really a different kind of process and easier. And now he's following up with some detail, and I'm like, I think I got to switch. And James is like, don't switch. It'll cause problems. I'm like, okay. So I didn't. And then another couple months went by, and another thing popped up. And I'm like, James, I got to make the switch. I, I, as, as odd as it is, I'm going to fight you to give you my business, but I got it. There's a difference. And when you're talking insurance, you know, you're not talking about like a restaurant, you know, you could have a bad experience at a restaurant and then it's like, okay, well, it's compartmentalized. It was a one day or night deal. Insurance, if you miss on that, man, and I'm telling you, like one of the things, for example, that James pointed out to me, which is more a reflection of me than anything else, he goes, I don't see any disability policy here. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, like, what if you were to get injured and couldn't work? You wouldn't have any insurance. And I go, wow, that's really irresponsible. And I know you're not like, wow, that's groundbreaking that he realized you'd have a disability policy. But, I mean, I obviously had another insurance agent. Nobody was saying anything about it at that time. So, you know, it just takes somebody just checking up and then informing you. And then, then, you know, and then I said, okay, I'll do this one. He goes, I don't know if you really need that one. 
So it was the antithesis of a hard sell. I just, here's the thing, and I don't know what his business model is, but I can tell you this, uh, whatever it is, it's working because I think it's not focused on trying to maximize and squeeze the last dollar out of his clients. It's more about the long game. And so you're going to get really good service that is going to get you what you need and not what they want to sell you. Give him a try. You're going to be happy you did. His number is 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance. So I had Scott. Scott Ogilvie's been on a couple of times, uh, and I don't know what your r- rapport is um, w- with Scott. He is obviously not seeking another term. Uh, he says that he just hates the campaign funding element of it, and he's going to find something else to do. Um, but when he was in and we were talking about, and he's been, like I said, a couple of times, uh, he conveyed his frustration with the state of things at the board of aldermen. And one of the things he said uh, was that there's just been a lot of like social media sniping uh, amongst aldermen, which I thought just to be very, you know, I know it's cliche, but junior high. So you're, of course, mm-hmm. one of the 28. Um, how would you describe the state of the union at the Board of Aldermen in St. Louis? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um I have been told, you know, I've not been down there an exceedingly long time. It's been five years. I've been told that, you know, relationships between aldermen have never been worse. No one's ever seen this level of um, divisiveness. But I don't know that that's true. You know, I think that one of the reasons why I get along well with so many aldermen is because, again, we can disagree on issues on the floor. We can debate those issues respectfully and professionally and then go have a beer after work and and get along. And I think that is healthy in the way that things should work. I do find it very problematic when folks attack each other, um, either on the floor while we're debating or on social media. Um, it gets very personal, and there's absolutely no reason for that, I think, ever. And I think it makes us look sort of like alder clowns, as I've been called before. And so, yeah, I, I guess I wish that there were there, you know, there was an ability for folks to understand that sometimes people are going to vote yes or no on something that you're voting the opposite way on. But that doesn't mean that there should be a retaliatory action next time there's a piece of legislation put forth that's a good project and somebody votes no on it just because they're mad at you and i feel like that happens quite a bit or you get quote unquote put in your place because you're you know you're not adhering to aldermanic courtesy or you know towing the line for the status quo and so i think that there are some folks who are down there that i've enjoyed working with who are able to do that on a regular basis. And I think that there's more of us being elected who, who are able to do that. And um, people should have the discretion to be able to, you know, have disagreements and and move along. And, and if you can't do that, I don't know that it's the board of aldermen is the best place for you. I mean, it's very troubling to articulate to residents that would like to see something happen or against something and it does or doesn't pass because of personal relationships and not based on the integrity or the, the benefit for, of the legislation itself. So let me, I assume this is not necessarily a fair assumption, but I'm pretty confident as, a, as a, I grew up in the 16th ward, my family's still there on Tam Avenue, um, that, that uh, all 28 aldermen are Democrats. Is that a fair play? We have all run as 
Democrats. I know. I noticed that the distinction there. Speaking of distinctions, that was an important all distinction. Democrats. Yes, I, I know exactly. True. But here's my read, and I, this is this is again, and no pun intended, by the way. This is looking at it from afar. That it's almost like there are a couple of factions, and maybe there are more than a couple of factions. That even though everybody has all run, that was a good distinction as Democrats. That there is kind of a Lewis Reed party of the board of aldermen and even though i don't know if megan would necessarily want it to be called her wing of the party she is running for president of the board of aldermen uh, the, the megan green side is that a fair characterization i don't think so i think okay. it's much more complicated than that that there are more factions or that some people are sometimes with reed and sometimes people are with megan or what I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily with with President Reed or with Alderwoman Green. I think it, you know, depending on the issues, there could be a variety of people voting different ways on things. And I I think that's healthy. You know, I guess there are a lot of times people who have been at the board longer who tend to work together better or be more like minded or vote certain ways. And then folks who are maybe a little bit younger and haven't been down there as long could be in some instances grouped together. Alderman Villa used to call us the, the we group mm. um, jokingly. And so I think if you want to make it, if you want to completely oversimplify it, that's sort of the way that the votes happen sometimes, but on a day-to-day basis and on an issue by issue basis, um, I think it's definitely more complex. I have a final question for you, and it actually just happens to come from a tweet that Scott Ogilvie, I don't know what, what caused him to send this, uh, but he literally sent it while we uh, here are, uh, are, are talking. Uh, a big divide in St. Louis politics is whether you think the city is essentially a victim of fragmented region, sprawl, weak market, and decades of depopulation, or the cause of it. What is your reaction to that? Well, I think the fracturization of our government, not just city and county, but all of the different municipalities in the county is a a huge issue for the region and something that definitely needs to be looked at. Um, But again, I think if you get down to the nitty gritty, there's a a lot more happening. You know, there are the folks in North St. Louis and deep South St. Louis who have seen such disinvestment over the years. There's racial politics. There's racism. There are a lot of issues that we need to discuss, I think, before moving forward with conversations about how we might work better together in a formal legal agreement. Um, Notice you use the term better together. I'm sorry? I noticed you use the term better together. I shouldn't have put those two words together. (laughs) Right. I'm just I'm (laughs) obligated when I hear things to ask the questions that the audience might be inclined to ask. That is fine. Yes, I appreciate the work that Better Together is doing. I don't know that it's being funded by um, an individual that we can all put a lot of faith in with respect to um, motivation and and what an outcome would be. Even though I know you're not naming his name, Rex Sinkfield is the individual for the people who do not know. Yes. yes, absolutely. I think it's, you know, there's always a, a, a bit of concern and um, issue when we talk about it, programs that he's working on that are, are basically exclusively funded by him and, and what the intended outcomes are. And, and so, again, appreciate the work that Better Together is doing. I think it's brought a lot of important issues to the forefront, but I, you know, I think that we need to be careful about moving forward. I think 
we're not at a place yet where people feel confident and trust the process and where we are. I think that we should start working more collaboratively between hopefully the county council and the St. Louis Board of Aldermen and maybe doing some things together with respect to policing or schools or some legislation or things like that to get us to a place where we all feel much better about the possibility of re-entering the county or being a part of a different sort of circumstances for regional government. I thought something uh, that, and I had uh, Wesley Bell was a guest of mine, um, I guess it was about a month ago, Christine, um, and I really enjoyed that conversation. I don't know how well you know him, um, but I think I think for a number of people, especially in our audience, when, when he defeated Bob McCullough in, in August, they were going, I didn't even realize Bob McCullough was possibly going to lose, you know, because it had just been a foregone conclusion for so long that he would win. Um, and I, I asked Wesley, his perspective now as the new St. Louis County prosecutor, about how close things were for Mark Monavani to win especially considering what was on the ballot with, with regard to right to work and the perception that was associated with Mark Monavani for that, um, when his policies, while I'm certain that many of them wouldn't necessarily line up with what you would agree with philosophically, that he nearly won um, in St. Louis County. And the reason I bring that up is my perspective, and anytime I talk governmental issues with somebody on our, on this show, and I'm again, I'm coming from it from, a, from an outsider's perspective, whereas you're actually in there doing the work, is I think one of the changes that I think is so great that I've observed as a native St. Louisan, someone who grew up in the city, uh, owns businesses in the city, uh, and that is that as opposed to, say, 2013 or before, and I've been talking about problems in the region for a very long time since I started doing TV and radio in St. Louis and in the early 2000s, whereas I would be met with a resistance to talking about that we have issues. We have, I mean, this this racial issue is one of the things that I always bring up. I, I've been observing that since the 1980s when I was growing up in, on the South Side uh, to, to the issues that we have from from businesses leaving uh, to young people not feeling as welcome to people not from here not feeling as welcome. All of these things that I feel like have contributed to some form of either stagnation or decline, whereas those were topics were met with resistance and I don't know what I'm talking about to now over the last few years, in part because of some of the things that the region has faced, uh, people are now willing to acknowledge that a change is needed. And I think before you can actually have progress, um, you have to have people willing to come to the table acknowledging that there is a need for it. And I feel like now there are more people willing to do that than there were about five or six years ago. What do you think of that? I couldn't agree more. And I think it's a really exciting step for our region. And I do think it was, you know, obviously started with Michael Brown and subsequent occurrences in the St. Louis City and St. Louis County area. And I think also just the fact that some folks that have been in traditional leadership positions are moving on to do other things. And it's opened the door for some people who typically were not involved before or are younger or have fresh ideas or different perspectives um, who are, again, like you mentioned, willing to say, hey, this is a great place, but we have a lot of challenges and we're not addressing those. Before, I think that what the focus was, was sort of band-aid solutions to problems. And now we're, I think, smartly looking at the fact that we need to fix problems before they happen. You know, we can't allow 
people to continue living at the level of poverty they are. We can't allow the racial inequity that we've allowed to perpetuate here. We need to make better decisions to help kids not become criminals. And we need to have comprehensive services for families who are struggling. And we need to have criminal justice reform and all of these things. We can't just keep hiring more police officers. We're giving them a completely unfair job. um, And we need to be looking at mental health issues and, and all of these things. And right now, because of the political landscape at the state and federal level, local governments are even more important with respect to how to creatively problem solve for some of these issues that I think the older generation or um, status quo thinkers have have not been able to fix. And if we don't fix them, we're going to continue to stagnate. I am, uh, as I, I've said a number of times, both on the radio and here on this uh, this podcast, I am, I am bullish on St. Louis. If St. Louis were a stock, I would would buy it up. And in part, it's because of an attitude shift that I've noticed here over the last four or five years. And as you made reference to, unfortunately, it's the byproduct of some things that were were certainly not categorized as positives. How could they be? But it's led to a recognition. And I think that's uh, certainly one of the first necessary steps. Christine, thank you so much for uh, taking time out today to join me, especially considering you're you're taking care of a sick child. Loved the conversation. Always uh, good to catch up with you. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Always great to talk to you. So there it is, our conversation with Alderwoman Christine Ingracia here on the Tim McKernan Show. I always like those conversations where we're kind of getting into the, the perspective of the people who are actually in there and in, in, in dealing with the various issues that we wind up talking about, but we're doing it from from miles away uh, with regard to the Board of Aldermen and, and what actually is going on in there. Um, and I appreciate all of our time on the topic. What did you think? Email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. A lot of you are doing that now, and I like it. I always say, though, I read them, but when we're getting a lot of them, and by where I'm just like diffusing the fact that I'm not going to respond in in huge amounts, uh, I respond, but I feel badly because sometimes people write really long emails and I'm just like, yes, I read everything you said. I appreciate it. I cannot, I can't like somebody recently, I should read this actually. It'd be good for questions from the audience. Um, and it was probably in one of my recent questions from the audience that he heard me talking about, um, I think political discourse, I I gather, was what it was. And I think when somebody asked me about uh, the possibility of running for office and then like laid out like a monster email and then brought and brought some charts in and all of this stuff. And, you know, he goes, everybody says they're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. But, you know, is that really what it is? And here and and it's it's fascinating. And I'm like, my God. I am essentially at this point uh, operating, you know, a a variety of different businesses, even though it's not like they're Fortune 500 companies, and also trying to start, really start one up with the thing that we're doing with Dan McLaughlin and hosting a show and have a wife and a one-year-old. And I just can't, I'm, I'm, as I was saying to Gangster Pete, I'm just spread way too thin. It's my fault. I was just saying, I feel like I need to hire an assistant, but I'm like, is that, is that just my failings? And will that actually solve the problem or, uh... Or do I actually need to do it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to kind of do things differently than I did when I started inside STL 13 years ago because you learn things and you go, man, I ran myself into the ground. And if I would have just, uh, you know, hired a few people, I could have delegated. So 
you know, along those lines, I love getting the emails. I love reading the emails from people, but I just don't have the time to respond and give the same amount of attention with the number of words that people will send. And I feel badly about that, but I assure you, I read them. So uh, feel free to email me with your feedback at tmckernan at insidestl.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our presenting sponsor for our guests, Christine Ingracia. Thank you to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Mike Judy of Mike Judy Presents online at mikejudypresents.com. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit and online 24-7 at landoff.com. Man, do I really like that Landoff family. There it is. Another interview in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you subscribe. Hope you give it wonderful reviews. And thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McCurney Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.